Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily, everybody. Uh, this is Trevor Hall, and actually working with co-host Paul Harris today as we welcome in another Paul, Paul West Sells, CEO of Western Copper and Gold, for another important corporate update. Because while I was away last week, late last week, Western Copper and Gold had a big announcement that they are bringing in a new strategic investment by Mitsubishi Materials Corp. And so we're going to talk about this deal, the ethos of the deal, and really if this is a interesting uh, plot turn for the casino project there up in Yukon. So first off, uh, Paul Wessels, welcome back to the podcast. How was your weekend? It was it was very good. I was glad that uh, we, we got the news out last week. I got to enjoy a bit of the weekend. And uh, it's been a busy day today. And um tomorrow talking to investors and and uh, others um, about this deal but yeah we're pretty pretty excited about it yeah I, I would think so uh, they're coming in and that's their their investment is going to represent five percent of the company uh, gross proceeds of the deal is just over 21 million dollars Canadian uh, I guess let, I mean let's talk let's talk about Mitsubishi first why Mitsubishi? How did this relationship start forming? Because I remember talking to you at PDAC, Paul, and you you were right. You told me you weren't gonna you didn't talk to any car companies. <laughs> <laughs> so you were being very honest, but but let's 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 talk about this relationship, how it formed. That's true. Although Mitsubishi does actually make cars, <laughs> this is true. So you lied to me. Not this, not this, this group. Yeah, it's sort of it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting background. So we we first uh, started to talk with Mitsubishi last summer. Um, you know, signed confidentiality agreements, and and they did some you know initial diligence. And then they actually came up to site, and and so we had a site visit in September, um, and we spent about a week in the Yukon, and we went through a number of things. We're up at site quite a bit, met the government, and and then, you know, that was finished, and it was really great. I could just tell, and and I mean, Trevor, well, both Trevor, yourself, and Paul, you guys have been to site. I mean, it's it's a very, it's a site that shows well. Like it's okay. This is a simple mining project like there's no sort of leaps of faith in terms of the engineering parts of it so um at the end of that trip they're like oh you know we're really feeling pretty good about this so then they did quite a bit of diligence um it was a very deep diligence i mean we we were getting questions on a weekly basis and you know engineering team was was really hopping to it on that um and then we got to a point where essentially they came and said, look, we like the project and, you know, what's next? And we, and because we're, as you know, we're, we're still sort of in the middle of our agreement with, with Rio. We said, look, we can, we don't want to, you know, we got a great relationship with Rio Tinto there. We're in the last year here now of our agreement with them. If you want to come in, in the similar sort of agreement, strategic investment rights agreement for a set period of time, in this case with Mitsubishi's two years, I said, look, we're, you know, we think that would be great. It allows you to stand sort of shoulder to shoulder with Rio Tinto if you want to talk to them about, you know, how you guys could work together to move the project forward. It gives us an opportunity to get to know you better um, and, and work through, you know, any specific bits and pieces that you want to work on like we did with Rio. 
So we proposed that to them last fall. They said, yeah, okay, that sounds good. And, and here we are, and, and now we've been able to announce this. So um, similar to the Rio agreement, I think this is a great structure. It allows us all to sort of talk. It allows us to work on some things together. But, you know, we're not, we're sort of, <laughs> we're still dating everyone. We're not marrying anybody yet. We're not marrying Rio. We're not marrying, but we're just sort of, you know, we got, we got another date, another Friday night date here that we're working on. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, a, a good structure. Um, Paula, we could probably get a little bit nefarious with the, the dating analogy because you're the little guy in a, in a two big guy sandwich. And uh, um, I was going to say, you know, Mitsubishi and Rio2 are no strangers to each other. Over the years, they've participated as partners in many, many mining projects and exploration projects. Perhaps one of the most noticeable one is Escondida. They're both junior partners with BHP in Escondida. So they, they both bring a tremendous amount of, sort of working knowledge and big project knowledge, which I imagine will be uh, invaluable to you as, as you progress. Um, I think it's also worth noting that uh, you've got a slight premium on that uh, with that Mitsubishi financing, $2.63 Canadian. It's about, let's say, 20 cents above what you're, you were trading at the time you announced that. So uh, congratulations there too. Yeah, no, and and those those are good points. I mean, so just real quickly on the premium, if anyone wants to do the math, it, it's a fifteen percent premium to the twenty day VWAP, which is the same premium that Rio Tinto paid when they made their investment. Um, and yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they they've worked together on. I mean, they're currently you know partners on Escondida. They in the past when when Rio was an investment investor in Grassberg. They work together there. Um, so, you know, th this is a company that's got a, got history. And yeah, I mean, it, it's Mitsubishi is a partner of choice. Mitsubishi is not, I you know, they won't bid solely. They won't bid against Rio. Um, but what they represent and where it gets interesting is that, um, you know, with Rio, Rio is like if they like the asset, presumably they'll make a bid for the company. With Mitsubishi, you know, they like the asset and we're going to work through things. I think that if they were to bid for our, our project and our company, they would want to do that with someone. And if it's with Rio, that's great. If it's with someone else, I think that that's fine as well. And so the advantage of that for me is that there's a number of sort of, well, <laughs> smaller than Rio Tinto, um, which is, uh, you know, not difficult to do. But, you know, you can imagine sort of mid-tier or larger gold companies that are really excited about the 21 million ounces of gold at Casino, uh, even copper companies that maybe are like, look, uh, you know, I don't want to sort of make this investment or, or make a bid for Western because people are going to say, well, it's a 3.6 billion Canadian CapEx bill that you have. Now that that's potentially a joint with with someone like Mitsubishi, I think it opens the door. And these are, I mean, trust me, I, I mean, I've got a relationship with a number of these companies that have come to me and said that your guys are too big. And now I can say, well, you know, Mitsubishi's there. Give them a phone call if you're interested in a bid. They'd love to come in for, you know, whatever and let you guys run it. And they just take the construct. I think one of the important things to underline here is, you know, Mitsubishi's principally interested in potential for future offtake. And the agreement that you published uh, includes offtake rights up to the percentage of their ownership, I think it was. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So 
it, as and when it comes to a mine build situation, uh, if they still like the project, you know, it's quite possible they'll come in for a bigger chunk because they want the uh, the offtake, the concentrate offtake associated with that. Yeah, and and you know, just to be clear on those the rights on on this, so it's a right of first negotiation, um, and it it well, it's it's two years or them dropping below three percent, um, and you know, so the idea on that right is is that look, if if we're still you know, if it's just strategic investors and we're moving the project forward, as long as Mitsubishi maintains at least three percent or greater than, than they have that right. However, if if things are changing, if if we're looking at a change in ownership or you know significant change in control, change their ownership down, that just sits there for two years. Because the idea again, and this was my my you know sort of philosophy on both the Rio Tinto deal and the the Mitsubishi deal is like, look, I you, you don't have lifetime rights on anything. Like, I don't want to be, you know, copper price goes down or something and everyone forgets about it. And then 10 years from now, it pops up and, oh, wait a second, you know, Mitsubishi's still got an offtake, right? Where did that come from, right? No, everything sort of has, uh, you know, an ending that that we can see. And that's an important philosophy that we brought to both of those agreements. Um, But I think the point that they're, I mean, they're very interested in the offtake. Um, you know, they've got smelters in Japan that they need to, to supply. Um, you know, one of the things they mentioned to me actually is that, you know, they currently have the offtake or part of the offtake of Grasberg and uh, in Indonesia. And my understanding, uh, well, their understanding is that th- that, you know, the government of Indonesia is, you know, forcing that mine to treat more of their concentrate in country. So they will lose some of that flow of concentrate. So another reason why they were looking to us. Uh, Paul, I, there is a little bit of an overlap here between this Mitsubishi investment in the agreement and what you have with Rio Tinto. The Rio Tinto was extended. That agreement was extended through what majority of this year. I think it was November of 2023 when Rio Tinto as it's stated, it's in that agreement it needs to come up with some sort of decision. But with Mitsubishi here, you have two years. So can you kind of walk us through, you know, what happens in November? What happens with the Rio Tinto decision later part of 2023 with respects to this new agreement with Mitsubishi? And how are this, this trifecta, these three parties kind of going to work within whatever that decision might be what are the dynamics there yeah so i mean you know we really wanted rio in or sorry really wanted mitsubishi in now before rio was i mean because where rio's at and they've been very transparent with us is um look we've got our data package we've got all this information we're doing the analysis internally uh, you know, I mean, they were sort of saying, look, we're going to be finished the analysis around now, end of Q1, spend Q2 figuring out, you know, what we want to do next. And, you know, we'll let you know. So hopefully Q2, but, you know, big companies have a way to drag these things out. So maybe it's Q3. But sometime then, I mean, it isn't like, you know, expect your letter on the expiry date. No, I mean, you, you know, well before that, you know, if they want to 
make a bid, that's pretty straightforward. If there's another transaction that they're interested in, we need to start talking well before that expiring. And, you know, like they're not knocking on my door and saying, Paul, we need to do a big drilling campaign or we need to do more wet work or anything like that. They said, look, we're done. And so what Mitsubishi does is two things. One, it adds validation, right? So it's one thing, I mean, you can imagine being Rio Tinto CEO and his team wants to, you know, do whatever transaction on, on our our project and our company. And then, you know, you're trusting your team and you trust your team, but it's another thing for some other completely independent company to make an investment and go, oh, okay, check mark. It's, it's almost an independent third-party review of the work that's been done. Obviously, there's something very significant there because Mitsubishi makes that investment. So that's one is it adds that validation. The second thing is, is it provides potentially, even for Rio, um, an opportunity to to look at this as a as a joint bid or a joint venture or some sort of transaction around that. Um, you know, the, you know these larger companies are starting to more and more look at sharing risk, particularly on higher capital cost projects. Um, you don't see it. Um, you know, you don't see these big mines. I mean, Escondida we were talking about earlier is a perfect example. I mean, you've got BHP and Rio and Mitsubishi all as, as joint owners. And whenever there's a capital required for an expansion, they go to all three. Okay. Thank you, Paul. In that line, um, in the press release, you mentioned if Rio maintains its uh, pro rata share. Do you have any indication whether they will maintain their pro rata? I mean, well, I mean, I, I sent them a note on um, on Friday, so when, when that came came due, um, or when we announced, they have ten business days um, as per our investor rights agreement to let us know if they'll be contributing. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, we we let them. You know, they were aware that the financing was coming. Uh, they were aware that it would was potentially with a strategic. Um, so uh like this isn't like a huge wake up one day and whoa what happened i think that you know they they sort of knew, knew it was coming so uh i'm you know reasonably confident but you know you never know so we'll we'll wait to hear back from them thank you so 21.3 million dollars canadian paul i mean that obviously gets you by you know hefty chunk of the of the bills coming forward here as you start to plan your uh, seasonal work up there at Casino and Yukon. Kind of give us, walk, give us a sense of what this does provide other than, you know, G&A type of, you know, resources. I mean, what other type of work on the ground at Casino are you looking to get accomplished this year? And how does this really backstop that work or even expand this work? Yeah. So the big push this year is permitting. And, um, you know, we need to get this this going. I mean, one of the things that I think we all believe is that, you know, part of the reason that there is, you know, our our share price, we think is, you know, we're we are sitting on a project which has a, you know, 2.3 billion net present value at, at conservative metal prices. I mean, today's price is a 5 billion plus net present value and we're trading in a market cap of 360 million. So part of the, like why the disconnect, right? So one of the answers to that is, well, how will, you know, 
can you get it permitted? How long is that going to take, right? So we need to push that. That's going to be a big push this year. It's going to be a big expense this year. Um, well, big meaning that, I mean, you know, we're potentially looking at budgets and in, including GNA of around 20 million for this year if we really push the permitting hard. Um, so that's going to be the big push. I mean, with with Mitsubishi, I mean, they've indicated uh, as part of, similar to Rio, some things they'd like that money to be spent on. So that money uh, is now controlled by our, our, you know, technical and sustainability committee, which, you know, will, will be, um, well, we need to get, you know, Rio's buy-in on this because it's a bit of a change, but essentially it's Rio, Mitsubishi and ourselves, but we still have control over that committee. Um, but, you know, some of the things they flag, which are good things, are, are really around concentrate, concentrate quality, unsurprisingly. Um, mm -hmm. That they want to look into, um, you know, there, there's some some reviews of, of, of some of the circuits that they want to look at. Um, I'm trying to remember what else was in that execution plan. I mean, it's it's really just some of the stuff that we were going to, you know, it was a lot. I mean, there was some things that were like, yeah, absolutely. We need to have more detailed execution plan. Like, Let's really begin to start to think about how, what building this mine really looks like. Um, so that's the work that we're going to be working on with them. You kind of mentioned it earlier in the conversation, Paul, but um, kind of be patient with as I kind of walk through my own question in my own head. But Rio Tinto and Mitsubishi are really known for that base metal type of manufacturing and refining. But you also, and you mentioned earlier, you have this tremendous endowment of gold. I mean, would it be off the books to consider a third party that's really focused on precious metals to come in and, and not only reduce the risk, but also kind of alleviate some of that capex burden that casino presently has? Or is that maybe overextending it too much? And I, you know, I, I, I say this, you know, I don't, I don't take that question lightly, but, um, you know, it would be quite a bit, maybe too many cooks in the kitchen, but you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it, no, I mean, it's something that we've always talked about because, you know, the, the casino asset, I mean, as you know, I mean, just, I mean, they, they change every day, of course, depending on the commodity prices, but I always think of it as roughly 40% copper, 40% gold, and 20% molly. And so there's, you know, arguably the same amount of gold as copper in that. So we've always thought that this would be a perfect opportunity for a large copper company and a large gold company to sort of come in and jointly build. And, and then you need someone for that has the offtake, so... Yeah, exactly the story you're talking about. And, you know, for for a while, it was like, well, but it's not like we produce a bucket of gold and a bucket of copper. That's not how it works. Right, you produce right. a copper gold concentrate. Um, but so how do you make that work? And the good news is that there's actually a, a real world example now. It was the Ernst Henry mining in, in uh, Australia. And it was Evolution Mining and Glencore. And I think Evolution took the gold and Glencore took the copper and they, and they, I mean, essentially it's just a paper exercise and, and, but they figured out a way to make it work. And so there's a model out there now for when you actually produce a concentrate and a way to 
have one company get to count the gold credits and the other company get to, to count the copper credits. So absolutely. Um, that said, yeah, I mean, it's more cooks in the kitchen and I mean, it's all good, but it, you know, certainly we'll be getting to drag out timelines, I think for, for, for ourselves, but we're, I mean, you know, what's amazing is that I, I mean, in the past two months, I've signed two new CAs with like top 10 copper companies. Hmm. And, you know, this is, you know, probably the third or fourth time I talked to them in the past two years. But I think, and this, I think they're like, well, we keep looking at the space. And, you know, it's funny, I have these conversations. Well, you know, we keep looking at the space and you guys keep drifting to the top of our list. <laughs> and I'm like, well, All roads lead to you, <laughs> Well, you know, you look at, you know, relatively straightforward engineering, you know, a, 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 a government that is pro-mining in the Yukon. Um, you, you've got a jurisdiction, obviously, in Canada where it's about as politically stable as you can get. Um, you know, all those sort of things. I mean, the economics look pretty, pretty decent. It's a long mine life. You know, it begins to tick a lot of those boxes for the for the big copper companies. I think again, it's worth highlighting that a lot of the big copper mining projects have three potentially more partners. Escondida, yeah. we mentioned, uh, Antamina certainly does, and I think Coyoasi in Chile does as well. And you mentioned Grasberg; they must have had a bunch of partners there. Um, so that's nothing unusual or unworkable. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we're trying to do is put together, you know, we're just putting everyone in the room. I'm back, back to my dating analogy here. I guess I'm, I'm actually, I'm not dating. I'm just, it's a dinner party and I'm like sitting people across from each other and saying, maybe you guys should have a conversation. <laughs> well, it's, it sounds like you're the most eligible bachelor here then in the uh, <laughs> copper gold space, Paul. Uh, um, you know, I, let's leave it at that because okay. uh, there's probably going to be more conversation here. Uh, it sounds like in, in week or so time, we'll get news from Rio Tinto here, what they want to do after this uh, Mitsubishi coming in. So maybe perhaps we'll be touching base here uh, shortly. Uh, but again, congratulations. I mean, this is just, I think, job well done with you and the team and and uh, it, it's really good for Yukon, actually. The, it's another good couple steps forward for Yukon mining and in development. So that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. That's your update from Western Copper and Gold, everybody. Again, trading on the TSX and the NYSE with the symbol WRN. That's a wrap here today on the pod. Paul Harris and I will be back tomorrow morning with the morning briefing. Talk to you then. Be well. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.